0: Good morning everyone. I'm so glad you've joined us again. Thanks for taking time to be part of our virtual gathering this morning as we gather as Christ's church even though we are scattered and remote in different places. I want to just give you a little bit of a heads up around how this morning is going to run. Um, I'm going to do about a 10 minute clip right up front um, that just explains the book of Psalms and why we are so excited and feel that it's so pivotal for us to look at this book and how applicable it is um, in our current situation. And so we're going to be doing a series on the book of Psalms and then I'm going to do a sermon on, on Psalm 23. And at the end of that, there's going to be a couple of worship songs that we've got ready from YouTube that you can worship along to. And the Psalm 23 really lends itself toward responding in worship, which is why we've put the worship at the end. Let me lay a platform for how pivotal the Psalms have been throughout Christian history. They've really echoed through the centuries, as the, as the hymn book and the prayer book of ancient Israel, of modern Christians, of medieval Christians, the Psalms has always been there. In fact, when Jesus, think about this, when Jesus comes into Jerusalem, what do the people erupt singing? A Psalm. So often in the Old Testament, we see eruptions of Psalms. Jesus quotes the Psalms more than any other book. In fact, like most people or Jews of his time, Hebrews, Jesus would have probably known the Psalms from the beginning to the end by heart. That's a crazy thought. In medieval church, the Psalms were probably the only book that a lay Christian could get their hands on. The only book of the Bible that was was widely available to them. And so they would have read this more than any other section of scripture. They would have known it by heart Many of them. We come to such a deep and a rich history when we approach the Psalms. They're often called the hospital of the heart or the medicine cabinets of the heart. And that's because for, for so long, men and women, as they've read these words in the Psalms, have recognized themselves. They've seen shadows of their own emotions, their own angst. And as they've read and meditated and sung on and memorized these things, they've been able to bring their hurts And their anxieties and their anger and their desperation to the Psalms. They've been able to bring their pain and their questions and their doubts to the Psalms. As they've seen that the Psalmists have brought their own emotions in such a raw and ordinary way in the Psalms. And and the realness of the Psalm writers really... Shouts at us and and echoes through the centuries to us and we hear them as we grapple with our own life struggles in a similar way. I mean you think of King David who wrote much of the Psalms. And often we, we think of David in a, in a kind of kids' church way, and we see him as David the hero, David the conquering king. You know, they would sing of Saul Saul has slain his thousands, but David has slain 10,000. Or we, we hear his little prepubescent voice facing the giant. You know, and there's this huge Goliath and there's this little young David. And he says, who are you to defy the armies of the living God? And we see this hero, David. But as we read the Psalms, it peels back the layers of this great king's life, just as one example of, us, of someone who wrote the Psalms. And we see him face despair. We see him face the, the vulnerability of looking in a mirror and seeing his own dreadful sin and lust. And his heart, when he he murders Bathsheba's husband, we see him face self-doubt. We see him face doubt around God and questions around God. We see him face pain. And it's a far cry from the warrior hero David that we've created in our minds. We see something of the reality that he faces in his writings in the psalm. And that, that in itself should be an incredible comfort to us. As we look at David's life, it's an incredible comfort to us that he too needed to bring his emotions and his questions and and all his pain and bring it into this this hospital of the heart as he wrote these psalms to God. See, but the the psalms didn't leave the the psalm writers and everyone who's read it through the centuries since then. It didn't leave them there. Their, Their pain and their anxieties was relieved. It wasn't like a hospital where you came in with your broken leg and your broken arm and your bashed in head and you were just left groaning on the floor. No, there's, there's healing for pains and and hurts. There's, there's answers for our sinfulness. They found hope in in despair. They found the Psalms pointing toward Jesus. They found joy in in the trials of life and the and and, and not being able to understand why circumstances are happening. They found. Answers, they found rescue from the jaws of defeat. Hey, maybe, maybe this morning you're joining us or joining this series and you don't follow Christ. You wouldn't call yourself a Christian. And I just want to speak to you for a moment and say, man, I am so, so glad You've joined us. We're gonna do everything we can as we preach through this series to strip away the Christian language that might leave you feeling discombobulated and, and unsure of what we're talking about. You know, phrases you might have heard when you've hung out with Christians like blood of the lamb, and you're like, What? Why are we talking about blood from a lamb? Like, what are you what are you on about? Or or maybe, you know, born again. And just like when Jesus first used that phrase with Nicodemus. Nicodemus was so confused. He's like, how can that happen? You might have the same kind of feeling. Or, you know, one of my personal favorites, like we just had fellowship. You know, and in your mind, fellowship is like Lord of the Rings. You know, like where where are these guys? What kind of cult are they part of? And what rings are they wearing? And so we we understand some of that angst that you might feel. And we just want to say, we want to let the Psalms really speak for themselves. We want to strip away some of the, the Christian language that might be putting you off. And we want to let the The beauty of the Psalms and the simplicity of it and the pulsating emotions of the Psalms really come to the forefront. So we're going to work hard to make it accessible for you. So we just want to say welcome. It's so good to have you. If you are not a a Christ follower this morning, it's really, really good to have you watching along with us as you bring your emotions and questions and doubts just like us and your pains and bring them to this hospital of the heart and see what God has to say about these things. Another group of people, you might be someone who has felt disqualified because of your sin. Man, the Psalms and the Psalm writers just help us so beautifully when we feel like we can't come to God because We've just sinned that one time too many. Or Paul, you don't understand the sin that I've committed is a, is a greater sin. It's the big sin. man. if you're reading the word of God like that, can I just say to you straight off the bat, you're reading it wrong. That's the whole message of the Bible that we couldn't do it on our own. That, that no sin is too great. That Jesus has covered every sin. That every single sin there's redemption and there's rescue for us. So I want to invite you to come into the series. You might be someone who's facing a lot of doubt and maybe you've even left church because of those doubts and you felt like you couldn't keep going and like it was inauthentic because you didn't believe this God and you had all these doubts inside of your heart man. I want to I want to say that God is not afraid of our questions, he's not afraid of your doubts. You can come to him in this time. The, the Psalms are a beautiful friend to you. Everything is on the table. All our doubts, all our questions, they are on the table. It's all hanging out. Man, I am so deeply, deeply excited for this series. As we feel, do you feel some of the the weight? Even I feel tingly, even as I speak about the Psalms, as it's echoing through the centuries. And I think of how many men and women have prayed and read and, and thought about these words. I think of how many deathbeds, There have been these Psalms that have been read over people. Or people have meditated them or or prayed them. How many terrible injuries have been healed in this hospital of the heart. As people have meditated on these Psalms. I feel a kind of awe and a a wonder and, and a bit of reverence, right? As we come to the Psalms. But at the same time, I feel such a flood of immediate relief as I see myself reflected in the writings the honest vulnerable open writings of the psalm writers and I feel a familiarity as I recognize my own inability to deal with these things and how I have to reach out to a God who is beyond me so I I just want to so warmly invite you on our journey through the psalms We're going to think about them. We're going to engage with them. We're going to look at how how they apply into our lives now. We're going to look at some of the difficult things to understand and explain that in the simplest way that we can. So I just want to say you're so welcome to be with us on this journey. Let's do it together. Let's be excited by the Psalms. Let's use them as prayers. Let's get into them now. If you're comfortable, can I encourage you to close your eyes, even lift up your hands in your bedroom, in your lounge, wherever it is, and let's lift our eyes and, and pray to our Father as we come to Psalm 23. So, Lord, I want to I want to ask you this morning that as we come to this beautiful psalm, that you would work in our hearts, that you would speak to us. Lord, you are God and we are man and we need to hear from you and we bring our hearts and surrender in the practical ways, God. We want your we want your word to inform our relationships, the way we speak to our wives and our, or our husband, the way we parent our children, the way we use our finance, the way we advance our career. All of these things, they're all practical things and your word speaks to us and changes us. And so as we come to this beautiful psalm about the great shepherd, you, the wonderful shepherd, I want to pray that you'd awaken our hearts afresh. Stir us again. Open our eyes. If we've never known you, would today be the day that we come to know you? We pray and ask these things in the name of Jesus. Amen. And so Psalm 23, as we've just been speaking about, is is one of the Psalms that David wrote. And so it's this hero man pouring out a vulnerable side where we see... Um, Him coming before God with His needs. And so let me read it for us. Then we're going to dive straight in. So the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for His name's sake. That's the part that we're going to focus on today. forever. But Psalm 23 really strikes us for its intimacy. Whereas we see in so many of the other Psalms, the the Israelites and the, the Hebrew writers approach God in a far more distant way. So they would speak about him as as king, they would be comfortable speaking about him as deliverer, Um, even less personally perhaps as a shield or a rock on which you could place your trust or a shelter or a hiding place. And all of this language is really familiar and we're used to it from the Psalms. But David uses a metaphor here of a shepherd which is really intimate and one that he understands so beautifully king david if you go and look at his early life spent all his early years as a shepherd if you go and read in samuel in the beginning of kings you'll see that he has an intimate knowledge of of what is going on and and david with all these years of shepherding experience says god you're a shepherd you're you're a shepherd and he knows the intimate relationship that exists between shepherd and sheep the the shepherd is the guide He's the one who who guides the sheep and and takes them on the right paths and leads them into healthy places. He's the protector. In the Gospels, we see Jesus saying that the good shepherd will lay down his life for his sheep. David has first-hand experience of this. He's fought bears. He's killed lions in defense of his sheep he was prepared to lay his life down and it's it's no casual flippant one night stand kind of relationship this is a deep intimate term the the shepherd to the sheep is a physician he would he would pull them close when they were wounded by wild animals or by just natural environment and he would he would tend their wounds and and care for them in a very close physical way and so it's it's so beautiful that he uses that that metaphor but there's something even more profound here david is david dares to say he dares to say you're not just a shepherd out there caring for some sheep no he says you you're mine you're my shepherd and we must understand that in this historic scriptural context this would have been a a crazy thought that david could declare so Clearly and and profoundly that God deliverer King refuge Rock shelter safe place all of those we're comfortable with but but not just Shepherd David now you're going a step further and you're saying my Shepherd mine this is this is personal I I think this is a a real sticking point for many of us even Christians in the church today that we've been taught to view God in a in a kind of detached way. We, we're very comfortable with God as a king. We're very comfortable with God as a judge, as a deliverer. But a personal relationship, a beloved, a, a lover, a friend, a father, a shepherd, can, can you say, I know God, I, I know Him, I know Him as, as my shepherd. And then it's not just the the intimacy of the relationship which is profound. It's that David seems to make a link between God being his shepherd and that he goes on to say, I shall not want for anything. I won't have any wants. And and what he's kind of getting at here is, I have this personal relationship with a king. I have a personal direct relationship relationship intimate relationship with a ruler with the deliverer with the rock with the fortress with God himself and and because that relationship that I have with him is so close and he's not just those things he's also my shepherd and he's gonna tend me and care for me from that place he he can say I know that I know that I know that I'm not gonna have any wants <laughs> you think about it like this someone comes to you and says do you know who my father is do you know who my father is and you say well no I don't and he says well my dad is Bill Gates and in that moment you realize that that person talking to you is never going to have any earthly wants they're never going to need for anything while they're alive they could spend money in, in millions every day and they still couldn't get rid of the stash that Bill Gates has managed to accumulate in this lifetime it's a fact but, but this is it's not it's not someone out there's father who's a billionaire. It's not knowing that there are billionaire fathers out there or sons who have that inheritance waiting for them. No, but this is David saying, "But he's mine. He's he's my shepherd, and so I will not want." And let me let me ask you this morning: Do you get that? Do I get that? That we are we're invited to come before him in this kind of relationship my shepherd we get to experience that do you experience that in your daily life as you walk with God or are you one of the detached ones who are far from God a little bit afraid to come close from a denomination where you've been taught that it's not okay to draw near in in relationship to God and have this kind of beloved friendship with him I want to tell you this morning it's for you The scriptures are full of invitations just like this to draw near to God, to come into close personal relationship with him that he actually affects our everyday lives that he's not just blocked off in a 15 minute time and we have a bit of prayer in the car or we have a bit of bible reading and it's a kind of sort of on the side part of our lives but he wants to invade the way that we live that we run our businesses that we do our jobs that we make love to our wives all of these areas God wants to come in and be part of they're not out of bounds when we look at Scripture. Some of you have experienced this kind of relationship before. But then the cares of this world have come in. And you know, you know if this is you. You feel like you've tasted and seen this this relational side of God. And then maybe you've had some kids and it's just fooled your life up. I know what that feels like. Maybe you've been trying to climb the corporate ladder and it's just sucking so much of your time and you're driving in somewhere or whatever it may be but you just know that you have not got the same relationship that you used to have with the father and he's inviting you again today saying come i want to be your shepherd just like david's i want to be your shepherd if you're a note taking kind of person that's my my first point of two that i'm going to make this morning the lord is my Shepherd, I hope that 's really sunk in my capital m y he 's our shepherd, just like David was able to say the second thing that i 'm going to speak into now is that when we get that, it changes our perspective it's it 's kind of like God comes, and when we when we really realize who he is and the relationship that he 's inviting us to have with him. It's like he comes and messes up all the, the the papers on our table, all the papers of our desires and what we think we want for our lives and what's ultimately important and what's got true value. He kind of comes and and messes with that on the on the table of our lives because when David says the Lord is my shepherd I shall not want let's talk about that little phrase doesn't mean that David just thinks he gets whatever he wants like a like a petulant child having a tantrum until the mom or dad relent and give them the sweet and in the Woolworths queue or whatever it might be you know or some kind of name it and claim it uh, gospel that we might hear or you know like whoop whoop my dad's a billionaire. I'm going to have everything I want. So don't stop the video now until you've heard the rest of this. Because if that's what you leave with, we're in trouble, all right? So don't stop it. Well, God's God certainly does. If we look at Scripture, He does bless men and women who will bless into His kingdom. He does bring prosperity. He is a God who, who cares for His people in material ways. So I'm not in any way against that. But He also does not just allow us, like a tantrum having child, to demand our whims and our wants. So let's keep reading and see what it says. So, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Very quickly, It becomes apparent when we read this psalm that He is the one in control. He's the shepherd. I'm the sheep. He's making me lie down. He's leading. I am following. He's restoring. I'm the one being restored. It's clear who the shepherd is and who the sheep is. The one's bleating, and the other one is leading. One is one is prone to stupidity. Hands up. One is prone to stupidity and to wandering. Just now we're gonna sing that beautiful hymn. Oh come come thou Fount. And one of the lines, my, one of my favorite lines in all of the hymns is that prone to wonder, Lord, I feel it prone to leave the one I love. Here's, here's my heart. Oh, oh, take it, seal it, seal it for thy courts above. And it's almost like that, that hymn writer has, has, has realized his own, his own propensity to wander off again and again. And he's almost like desperately bringing it before God and saying, I know I'm going to run away again. I know I'm going to leave. And that's our role, right? We're the wanderers, but he, is the rescuer he is the one who comes and guides us and says no 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 so we see very quickly even even when we stop and think about the word restores he restores my soul immediately because we're so familiar with the psalm and we've we've you know we've been taught it at school and we think about it in a very western kind of way we, we like to think of it as green pastures and quiet water. And so the, the image just goes on to, you know, lying in a hammock with a beautiful drink in my hand. And someone else is looking after my kids. And it's well, like, you know, a day at the spa. And we, we kind of think of it in those terms. And there is a degree where definitely the Psalm is speaking about God restoring us in a gentle way and refreshing us. But there's also an element here, even in the word restores, that carry an idea of of a wandering sheep, of a sheep that needs to be disciplined and of the shepherd taking his crook or his staff and, and pulling that sheep back in and restoring that sheep back to the fold. It carries the idea of wandering men and women who are going to destroy parts of their lives or their family with the sin they want to engage in. And God's saying, "No, I want to restore you or maybe you've done those things." and, and, and he's saying, no, I want to like a desk that like a desk or a house that has been broken down and needs restoration, he restores. Isn't that beautiful? So let me ask this question who? Who decides what it is that we need? It's the shepherd, right? It's the shepherd. It's for his name's sake. I will not want, says David. He leads me in all of these these things for his name's sake. He's the one who has the big picture. I'm just seeing in parts here. See, it, it doesn't. Mean. It doesn't mean prosperity, celebrity, um, designer clothes, gold necklace, a preacher claiming uh, God's blessing now, here, material blessing. No COVID nineteen for me and my family. No ways. Th- this is not an invitation into that kind of selfish, whimsical wanting and desires. What ah, my flesh wants now. It's it's much deeper and. Much more beautiful, really, than that. Much more beautiful. It's it's this invitation to trust Him. To say, you're my shepherd and you know what, what I want. And you know what I ultimately need. And I'm going to trust that to you. I'm going to give it to you and, and trust that even if I don't get these material things, that the things that you have stored up for me will be even better than those things it's it's much deeper and not not as cheap as these earthly treasures this is God's promise to David and to us that we will not want I shall not nothing there's nothing that I'm going to need when God is finished with me and when we when we grasp that doesn't it just make everything else pale into the counterfeit that it is who would want the bling and the cars and the and the kind of and the kind of material blessing now over my shepherd Over my shepherd. And I'm kind of giving you the punchline of the whole psalm right here. Actually, this is the whole point. Is that, yes, there's these these beautiful um, pastures. Green pastures and quiet waters. and, And being restored and being led in paths of righteousness. And all of those things are beautiful things. But ultimately, what it is we're coming to is the shepherd. It's the shepherd that we want. It's who's behind all of those things. And so we know God's going to give us those, some in in this life. And then if you read the word of God around heaven, it's going to be glorious, guys. It's going to be incredible. No more tears. No more death. No more messed up relationships where it's been your fault or your kid's fault or your mom or dad's fault. or All these broken relationships. This is one of the sweetest thoughts when we think about heaven, that it's all gone. So he is going to give us those things. But the real beauty of heaven is that he will be our God. And he will live among us. He will dwell with us. It's not the stuff. It's the shepherd. And it reminds me of when I was dating my wife, Kate. And this was way back in the early 2000s. I was a border master at Peter Maritzburg College. And I remember receiving this post. And in the post were these letters from Kate and and some of them had photos in them and man those photos became my treasures they were next to my bed i would i would gaze at the face of my beloved i remember one particular day a letter came and i could smell her perfume on it and just the the beauty of being reminded of 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 my beloved and i've still got those letters and those photos i have a box full of these precious treasures to me but then but then came a day where either she would come from england and, and land in south africa and i would go and pick her up at the airport or i would go over there and, and land at heathrow and stay with her and her family and 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 the day came when it wasn't just the letters and the photos but it was the beloved i was with her and in those moments, the, the letters and the photos were so insignificant compared to being with the one that I loved. And it's like that. That's what, that's what I think this psalmist is getting at when he says, The Lord is my shepherd. I, I won't want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside the quiet or the still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness, for His name's sake. Man, maybe, maybe you don't even know this God. Maybe you you're saying, man, that that sounds amazing, but the Lord is not, He's not my shepherd. I don't know. This is a personal invitation to you this morning right in your lounge right in your bedroom wherever you're watching this is a personal invitation that you can have this shepherd too i know you come with your hurts and and your pain just like we have And I know that you're struggling to to make sense of all of these things. But what I've found in my life is that as I I understand more of my brokenness and more of my weakness, it feels in me a counter desire for, for someone greater, for a shepherd who's able to help, right? The more brokenness I see, the more I'm awakened to my weakness and my inability to control everything. Whether it's just... Parenting my children whether it's the difficulty of of being married from my wife's side and from from my side It's it might be the sin which just keeps on entangling us And we just feel like we can never get free like a, a shark in a shark net or it might be a, a bunch of different things But as we recognize more and more of our weakness We realize more and more our need of a savior of a shepherd and actually our heart leaps up and joy. I want to shout it from the rooftops. I have a savior I have a shepherd and he's mine. He says he's mine. And I I feel such relief. Such relief. I feel such joy. And I feel such comfort. And oh, the, the, the peace. That my weakness doesn't define me. That I have one who comes and says, In your weakness I will be strong. That's a beautiful thing. And if you are not a Christian and you don't know Christ, this is is the invitation of this psalm. In fact, it's the invitation of the whole of the word of God. And all we do is we come and we say, God, I am weak. I am sinful. I admit that I am broken and I don't have it all together. And I need you. I, I believe in you. I believe that you can be the one who can lead my life. And in that moment of realization, it's not the the words of the prayer you pray and you've got to pray it in a certain way as if there's power just in that. The power comes from the Holy Spirit awakening in your heart this, this realization that your sin is an affront to God, but that He took it away and that you can place your trust in the name of Jesus. And that you can say, Jesus, I want you to lead my life. And He will. He's a good shepherd and he's saying I want to be your shepherd all your wants all your needs all the things you think are so important man I'm going to come and reorder them I want to come and give you a new perspective so that's where we're going to end for this morning can I encourage you please if that's you if I'm speaking to you and you don't know Jesus please take time now when this video finishes to just pray just open your heart. Don't worry about the right words. Just pray and speak to your Father. And then if there's those of you who I've been speaking to as well. Who don't understand or don't have this relationship. You you know Christ. But you don't feel like you can call Him mine. My shepherd. My beloved. Man, I want to encourage you to also just pray. And be before the Father. And say, teach me how to walk in a relationship like this preacher guy is talking about. Lots of our groups are meeting across Stellenbosch at the moment. So we'll be watching this together and then gathering in, in, through technology on Zoom calls. Guys, can I, can I just speak to you and say, when you gather as, you, as the sermon finishes, won't you just take time to speak through what's really challenged you? What has God got His finger on in your heart from this sermon? What is He saying to you this morning? Talk about those things in our group. Let's be honest. Let's be vulnerable. Let's be real. Just as I end, if you don't have a life group, please go onto our website. There's a little place you can go and click to join a group. Even if it's just temporary. You might even be in another country. That's great. I know Anton and Di are watching in Rwanda. Guys, it's so wonderful to have you coming and joining us with some other people in Rwanda. Joining us for these services. It's so good. You can temporarily be part of a group. And maybe even that becomes something more permanent. Let's see what God does. Let me pray for us as we close. Father. Thank you, not just that you're a shepherd out there, detached, general, but that you're my shepherd, that it's personal, that it's intimate. Thank you that you come and remind us of that and remind us that our wants and our desires are are so beautifully found in you. That if we trust you, that you will give us these beautiful things that we, we might not even realize right now are more precious than what we think we really want. God, we come and we bring our lives and say, you lead us. You make us lie down. We give you permission to be Lord in our lives. And we ask you to come and play that role. You are God. We surrender. We want to pray this psalm back to you. Lead us, guide us, restore us. Take us in the right paths, the righteous paths, for your name's sake. For your name's sake. Guys, thanks for joining us this morning. Amen and amen. See you next week.